and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Podcast Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Frugar. And Kevin, I don't know how good of a dancer you are. I'm not very good at all. But Penn State men's basketball, they are dancing. They're the 10th seed. They play Texas A&M in Des Moines, Iowa on Thursday. Uh, let's rejoice. Penn State is officially a basketball school once again. It is. And sorry, if you tuned in for football, you're probably not going to get that this week. Uh, the weekend that was in Chicago, uh, the run that Penn State has been on the last 18 days in basketball is just, it's hard to ignore. It got me to watch every game, pretty much every minute of the basketball this weekend. And uh, man, my heart is still racing. Yeah. And they did it in exciting fashion, right? You know, Obviously, Sunday afternoon's game against Purdue was an incredible matchup. It, it, you know, Zach Eady, incredible basketball player. He's seven foot four, 300 plus pounds. You don't have an answer for that when all you guys are 6'10 or under seven foot. You, there is just nothing you can do. Uh, I, the only way that I can re- like replicate that type of performance is if I'm on a four foot or a six foot hoop and I'm 5'5". Five five. It's about the same situation. All I got to do is just just drop it in. So, I mean, but Penn State down 17. They come back. They have possession last few seconds of the game. They don't get a shot off. But this team is fun to watch. They are. And just to put in perspective how big Zach Eadie is, he is three inches taller than Shaq. And only two inches taller than Yao. So, I mean, or two inches shorter than Yao. So, it's like... How do you guard that? He's got, I can't imagine being Keba Jai being six foot 10 and still having to guard someone six inches taller than me. Keba Jai has probably never guarded someone taller than him in his life, like growing up through high school. And all of a sudden he's got a guy six inches taller. He's actually looking up to him. So yeah, I mean, and down 17, like you said, they got it within five today. Mm-hmm. And Lundy, you know, Lundy forced a double dribble that the officials clearly missed ed i think i think ed scored a layup on that drive on that possession so then they go up seven couple missed shots i think both ways then that out of bounds call i i don't think it hit um kanye clary's foot officials after discussion said it did it was out on penn state then zach ed gets fouled makes two free throws so it went from a five-point game to a nine-point game on potential two if he calls and i don't want to blame officiating big 10 officiating sucks we can go on and on about that especially what thursday night against uh illinois like that officiating was terrible and i i can't even recall it because we've watched so much basketball since then but if that if they don't i mean that's a four that's a four to eight point swing mm-hmm. in basketball with two bad calls and purdue getting four points on their end so Think about if that lead only got to 13 or 15 instead of 17. We could be talking about Penn State being Big Ten champions. Yeah, and that would have been, I mean, very interesting to see because, I mean, you look at the body of work over the course of the tournament. They shot lights out uh, for the most part. They were great at the foul line. But this team, just the resiliency that they show, the fight, the grit, right, that makes them Penn State basketball, that makes them fun to watch, was on full display. You saw that against Illinois on Thursday when they beat them 79-76. You know, Andrew Funk took over. The officiating was terrible, which is typical, not shocking. Um, and they did have know. 
And Illinois had the size on Penn State too. Like mm-hmm. Kebajai was in foul trouble early, and we had him trying to guard both uh, Dane Danger, who has has to have like that's the best name in college basketball, and Coleman Hawkins. Like they were just taking it over. He had two guys what six ten and plus mm-hmm. against the small lineup of Penn State. Sorry. Right. No, and that's and that's a good point. And then you have Cam Winter and Seth Lundy, who also showed out. Then you got Friday at Northwest against Northwestern. It takes take the Wildcats to OT. And we talked about this a little bit last week on the podcast, how Penn State was set up to make a run. And that they did. It wasn't not it was not easy. It was not pretty. But hey, it was ugly. And and that's what you're gonna get in tournament basketball, right? You're laying it all out in the line. And, and it's no shock that that game went to to overtime by any means. But they could have they could have done a lot better. They had a ton of turnovers, lots of lots of ugliness from the foul line in the one game that they really weren't that great from there, but then they turned it on against Indiana um, and they almost blew it. They were up big and then just went ice cold. Um, with- I was talking with some friends during that game and I sent the gif from, what is it? The sing along movie with the pig, like singing on the stage. I was like, Oh, sing. the fat it's sing. Yeah. Yeah. What a- I'm, I don't have children, so not well versed in those movies. Um, but yeah, I was like, man, the fat lady's singing like they're up 15, like let's go. And then all of a sudden IU turned on the press with 2 minutes to go. They scored 10 points in 55 seconds. All of a sudden you're like, "Oh crap, Penn State's only up by 5." They went 23 of 23 from the line. Or no. Um I'm sorry. They all three misses. They went 23 of 26 from the game from the free throw line. They were perfect before the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. Their three misses for the game from the free throw line were all in the last two minutes. So it's like if they make those, like we're not really sweating it because it's still a seven, eight point game at that point in time. But it's like, oh, shit, we can't make a free throw. They're making everything from the field and the press is still there. So like just forcing turnovers and whatnot, like it was. It went from like heck yes, like dominating fashion, like we're gonna beat Purdue tomorrow, to like oh crap, we might lose to Indiana. Right, and and I think it's kind of the opposite of what today was like, right? You know, Penn State's press challenged Purdue just like Indiana's press challenged Penn State's, you know, on Saturday, and then that that pressure, right, playing from behind, playing with nothing to lose pushed them back into that game, pushed Indiana back into that game just the same way that it did Sunday afternoon where it took Penn State back into the game against Purdue. But the biggest thing that that I think helped Penn State down the stretch was they were going offense-defense for Purdue as far as, you know, strategy and as far as personnel, and that kept Edie off the court. And when you take that height advantage off, boom, things opened up a little bit more. They were starting to hit shots. Miles Dredd was big. Cam Winter, Jalen Pickett, obviously, um, and, and you know Seth Lundy too before he fouled out. But man, this team balled out, and and they were fun to watch. They were, and you talked about it. They won in four really different ways. Illinois was a free th- was a three point shooting contest. I mean, they Andrew Funk was I think five of six in the second half for that one. So it's just lights out from three. Like that's typical Penn State. Then the Northwestern game, sloppy as hell. You mentioned it, 15 turnovers, 11 misses from the charity stripe. Like, shouldn't have won that game. Or, excuse me, they should have blown Northwestern out of the water. Mm -hmm. Almost lost it. 
Indiana, just pure grit. Like you get up by 15 and then face some adversity from a run, a counter run back to pull it in and get tight. And then Purdue, you're basically counted out of it. And we're a travel away from a three point attempt to win the game. So really, I mean, we talked about last week, how they were hitting their stride and roll into the big 10 tournament, make it ready to make a run. They're in tournament form, and they show that hey, we can win in a they can win in a tournament environment too. Well, and that's one of the things that Michael Shrewsbury talked about this weekend, right? Or over the weekend, it was they've been in tournament mode for what seems like the entire month of February and March. So, you know, and then and that shows they had six quad one wins in seventeen days. That you know, as far as the net ranking is is the top top game. They beat teams like Northwestern. They beat twice. They beat teams like Illinois, Indiana. They competed against Purdue and almost were in a position to win there late. And when that happens, you know, that's a, that's a very good thing, but it just shows the fight, you know, that they just never gave up. And I think that, that in itself is, is huge. And that's, what's got them to this point. Now they went from a team that was one of the first four in or last four in to a team that's now the 10 seed. Uh, and they and they get Texas A&M like we talked about, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second segment. But now they're a ten seed; they don't have to sweat the playing game like Pitt does. You know, Pitt goes into the ACC tournament and they get smoked by Duke by twenty seven. Uh, that's not ideal, and that pushed them into Dayton to take on Mississippi State. So that was kind of that's what Penn State didn't need to happen and didn't want to happen, and they just went out and played and won. And, and stack together some wins in the tournament, and and now they're dancing. Yeah. So why don't we hit the second segment after this break, and we can talk about the NCAA tournament. We'll be right back after a short message on the Nittany Sports Now Podcast Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Podcast Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. The buzz around Texas A&M is Buzz Williams, right? They come into this maybe a little underseated, but they are not being rewarded for scheduling not so great teams in their non-conference schedule. They're 25 and nine. They're 15 and three in the conference, but you know. Looking at, at teams on their schedule, all right, they had Louisiana Monroe, Abilene Christian, Murray State, Colorado, Loyola, DePaul, um, SMU, Boise State, Oregon State, Memphis, Wofford, Wofford um, which was a loss, lost to Memphis too. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Memphis is also in the tournament, Northwestern State. Prairie View A and M. I mean, that's a that's a college football non conference. Let's be real. Um, so I, I like that they're not being rewarded for that. Uh, but at the same time, man, now you got to go out and play. And they've obviously conference games a lot different. But hey, they're they're dancing. Anything can happen at this point now. Yeah, and they lost to Arkansas, and I believe Arkansas is an eight or nine seed. So they're kind of. Yeah, they're slightly underseeded by their ranking, 
but I was looking, I flipped back through all the AP polls from this, from this year. And they really, they didn't get, they were ranked early in the season, low twenties. I think they maybe peaked at like 18 or something like that early this year. They fell out, didn't receive votes for several weeks. And then they finally got back in the ratings rankings. They were 24th then they beat Bama. Then they jump up to 18th. So it's a team that can compete against the top teams in the country, but Penn state has just shown that they can do that. And from a matchup perspective, they don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't make them or they don't make, they shoot 33%. So Penn state's advantage there because Penn state shoots what close to 40, I think as a team. Um, and really they're winning a lot of games for the foul line. They're making Texas A&M is making 19 free throws a game. And if, if Penn state, Penn state showed against smaller lineups that they don't foul a lot, you know, they were fouling Edie. They were fouling um, Hawkins. They were fouling Danger against Illinois. They, they were fouling big men. They weren't fouling a lot of, like, they were fouling because they were undersized. And Texas A&M doesn't have a lot of length. They got a couple six eight six nines. They have one seven-footer on the roster who's averaging, like, 1.7 points a game this year. So I kind of like that Penn State's going to be able to play small ball. They're going to be able to play their game. They're almost identical offensive efficiency. They're both about 112. Texas A&M is slightly better on defense. They're 100, 100 points per 100 possessions instead of Penn State's 106. But I kind of like it. Penn State's going to be able to light them up from three. And Texas A&M kind of reminds me of Northwestern like in their shooting percentages. I think they're, what, 44% shooting? Like That's Northwestern territory shooting. No, absolutely. I mean... You know, looking at their roster, I think they compare very well to a lot of the Big Ten teams. They've got, you know, seven foot sophomore Javante Brown, six nine freshman, or I'm sorry, yeah, six nine redshirt freshman Ashton Smith. But lengthwise, height wise, I think they're going to be just fine. And you know, when you kind of look at that, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to to play. Um, I like this matchup for Penn State. I, I like the region that they're in. They If they win, there's a very good chance that they're going to play Texas. Um, so, again, they've made it this far. They've shown that they can win in the big games. And that's the other thing, too. This team is resilient. And, and when you have that type of resiliency, that's a big thing, too, especially this time of year if you have that experience. Uh, it's not like a lot of these guys are freshmen. They've been there before. You know, Mikey Hen, he's, he's played in a tournament. And a lot of these guys, you know, should should be able to perform rather well. You know, they're they're accustomed to this, and it'll be interesting to see really uh, how this game plays out. It's a it's a nine fifty five tip on Thursday, so hopefully, you know, your caffeine is ready and and you're ready to go. I'm at a conference all week at work, so I'll just stay up and watch it and just be groggy on Friday morning. Uh, I was kind of worried it was going to be like a noon tip, so, and I was going to have to miss it. But, and like you said, there's not a lot of NCAA tournament experience on this team. But like you said earlier this week or earlier in the show, they they're been, they've been back against their wall for 17 days. So Texas A&M hasn't had a lot of pressure getting into the tournament. You know they get trounced by Alabama today in the SEC final, but maybe they probably weren't motivated. And also Penn state basically played four road games this weekend. Yeah. Every, every school that they played was within what two or three hour drive from Chicago. 
and Chicago's what a 10 hour drive from state college, 11 hour drive from state college. So Penn state finally gets to go against one of these games against a team that mattered in a game that matters. And it's actually going to be neutral site. Yeah. And I think anything can happen on a neutral site. It'd be really interesting to see, you know, how they come out and play. I would expect Pickett to, to play some really good basketball. He eclipsed the thousand point plateau at Penn state um, with uh, I think yesterday on Saturday and with his first point of the game, you know, that's impressive. He has scored over two, 2000 points uh, playing collegiately, both at Siena and at Penn state. If there's ever a player, you put that number in the rafters. I think it's Jalen Pickett. And we talk, we, you know, have watched guys like Lamar Stevens, but I don't think anybody has meant this much to this program like Jalen Pickett has. Um, it's the point guard. Everything runs through him. He's the leader. He's the heartbeat. And the Cajuns is flat out play. Yeah, he can. And I think the other thing in favor of, or kind of going to, for Penn State's favor, is that um, Texas A&M kind of has two stars, Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford. But Penn State showed this weekend that they can kind of contain the stars. I mean, they aren't Zach Eady. They held Zach Eady. I forget how many points he had today, but he wasn't the 30 decide. plus. And then he had another double double, but was he 30 this week? Yeah, 30 um, and I think 13 or, or somewhere around. I know he had 13 rebounds or something like that, but they did well but, against Trace Jackson Davis the other night. Right. And now, so look at Eady. He had a lot of his points in the first half. So we kept him in check and kept him on the bench in the second half. So that was huge. So but, I think I think Trace Jackson Davis is kind of that comp. Like mm-hmm. he's a lot better player. He's what six nine, and Penn State was able to really corral him to the point where he wasn't taking over the game. I mean he he had his impact. You're not going to keep a wooden finalist off off of having an impact in the game, but you just don't want him to take over the game. Right, and and the thing that's kind of stunk you know over the weekend too is that there were a lot of other things that were starting to take over the conversations surrounding Penn State basketball. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that and another Penn State team that that hits the championship arena uh, when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Mountain Network. To the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Podcast Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. We've been with you for two segments. Now the third and final one. Kevin, the rumors start have started swirling, right? Michael Shrewsbury, Patrick Ewing is out at, uh, at Georgetown. The legend just doesn't have what it takes there. Mike Bray is already out at Notre Dame. He's retired. Notre Dame didn't sniff the tournament. Those are the two names that he's really been affiliated with that program at um, as far as the, the head coaching position. I don't think at this point in time that Georgetown is a great thing or is a step above um, Mike, or Penn State solely because this isn't the 80s anymore. This isn't the same Big East that we grew up with, you know, the cardiac Kemba watching, you know, teams like that play. Um, Notre Dame, maybe. Uh, they got that ACC, they got that Notre Dame money, which is a big thing. But to me, Penn State right now, I think, is a, is a little bit above Notre Dame. Listen, Shrewsbury has recruited the portal. He's gotten guys to stay. 
like Pickett, like Lundy. If I'm Pat Kraft, Dr. Pat Kraft, uh, AD, I am saying, hey, what do you want? What can we do to to keep you here? And that's first order of business. Like, I, I'm not quite sure when their plane lands in, in Happy Valley, but I I would be out there on the tarmac with a Brinks truck. Yeah, and I'm going to quote uh, one of our friends or one of our followers on Twitter that says, uh, Dear Pat Kraft, buy an oil tanker, fill it with cash, and park it in front of Micah's house tonight. Uh, that's that's what it's going to take. Well, they've never Penn State's never published Drew Sperry's contract. He's probably in the million and a half to two million dollar range. Probably need to give him a raise to three million. Um, like you said, Georgetown, it's probably it's not what it is. The Big East isn't what it is, what it is because of the dissolving of it and Syracuse going to the ACC and whatnot. Um, it's still a legacy program, and those those pull those pull some weight. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can pull. If Seth Lundy has a talk with him and says, Hey, I'm coming back next year. You have Kanye Clary. You have Kebajai. Like you have a, you have a pretty solid core. And he gets his salary raise and he pulls in another good recruiting class. It's hard to say that he would leave because in terms of players, it's better. Is Notre Dame and Georgetown a better basketball school? Maybe so. But historically, yes. But and the investment and the commitment from the universities has been there as well. So if Pat Kraft shows Shrewsbury that, hey, I am committed to basketball being successful, I'm committed to you being successful. What do you need? Let's get this done and let's keep this thing going. I think he stays. Yeah, and I think the other thing we have to look at too is NIL. And and as much as I hate to say it, you know, that is probably one of the most determining factors in all of college athletics right now solely because it matters. Um, and it matters a lot. Um, these players, you know, you have team, you have pro t- players leaving programs at mid, at the mid major level going to get their bag. And and I get that. And I understand that, but so you have to look at which of these programs has set up the best for NIL. I think Penn state has handled that really well on the football side. I'm not quite sure. Basketball side, you mentioned salary. Uh, he's been rumored to be between anywhere between two and three million. I don't know which one is accurate. The upper echelon of the Big Ten, outside of Tom Izzo, um, is about three and a half, three point eight million. Um, I don't think he's at that level. I think he's probably closer to to one point five to anywhere between one point five and two point five. But you got to pay him, pay the man, get them set up for success. I think they're making all the right moves off the court. I think. You know, Dr. Pat Kraft has, has mentioned that they want him for a long time. They're going to do whatever it takes, uh, and I and I don't blame him. And he's got them in the tournament uh, in year two, um, coming off a situation that wasn't ideal. You know, 2020, they should have been in the tournament. Had COVID not happened, Penn State's right there. But then all the stuff happens with, with Pat Chambers, and people are going, people are staying, people are all in limbo. So he comes in, gets guys to stay, hits the portal hard, starts getting his guys in there, and now they're dancing. And I think that's who Swallows the type of coach that he is, but the type of guy that he is too, because his players fight for him. And you can tell that every time they step on their court. Yeah. So I I just like you said, I just hope he stays. I think Pat Kraft 
if if Pat Kraft makes the commitment, because that's been the issue at Penn State is basketball gets slightly good, the coach leaves because the university won't pay him, and then they're gone. So as long as they show the commitment, I don't see a reason that he wouldn't stay. But we'll see. But a guy that has been there for a long time, has an extended amount of success, and is already known for filling up the BJC is Kale Sanders. Um, Kale Sanderson, I should say. Um, but then they're they're in action this weekend too. They're in the Midwest. They're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, in the national in national championships for wrestling. They've got um, they've won nine of the last eleven NCAA tournaments. Um, they've got a bunch of highly seated guys. Um, and I think are going to be fighting for that national another national championship once again. I think this is the this is the toughest dynasty, the best dynasty I think in college athletics, um, hands down. I mean nine nine of the last eleven I think is huge. But at one thirty three you got Roman Bravo Young number one C. He's the favorite. Um, you go you got one forty one. Uh, Bo Bartlett is number six seed. One forty nine Shane Van Ness at number thirteen. 157 Levi Haynes, uh, number two seed. He's going to be a, a favorite to get to the championship round. 165 Alex Fixundo, uh is a 13 seed. 174 Carter Sirachi, 184. Or right, that was 174 Sirachi, 184 is Aaron Brooks, number three seed. He's a guy that could probably have been a number one seed. He has a lot of experience here. He won it last year. Right. You know, a guy to watch out for in 197, Max Dean, 909. Um, and a 285, Greg Kirk for that uh, number three, number three seed. Um, I think they have a lot of opportunities uh, to go out there and to to compete for another national title, and I think they're going to do just that. Yeah. So represented in every weight class, but the 125, but 125, they've got four. Like you said, they've got four wrestlers in the top three seeds of their brackets i think three of them are favored to win their bracket so could have three individual champions probably potentially four um like just playing the odds with that uh those will kick off thursday morning and thursday afternoon will be your second round um and the finals will be saturday night so friday there's two matches on friday and then finals look out on Saturday. Usually the finals are on ESPN. I'm not sure if they will be again this year, but um, probably should have prepared a little bit better for that for TV coverage. But if you're interested in watching them, I know ESPN usually has them, so they'll probably be there. Right, and they should. I, they are on ESPN um, because the tournament, the uh, basketball tournament is going to be on the Turner. You got TNT, TBS all these random TV channels that we don't know about until true, uh, true TV. They'll have to stop their 24 hour loops of cops. <laughs> and <laughs> Hey, listen, you laugh, but a lot of people will watch that. Um, but the game on Thursday for Penn state against Texas A&M is going to be on TBS at nine 55 our time, eight 55 their time out the, out in the Midwest in Des Moines. And Hey, they made it this far. Let's see what happens. I, yeah. I think this team has a lot of potential. I think they could get out of the first round and make make a little bit of a mini run, maybe even get to the Sweet 16. But again, got to see what happens now. They're they're at least dancing, and I think that's huge. What time does uh, UNC play? They elected not to play, Kevin. <laughs> they rejected the their NIT bid to the NIT. 
they actually had to go to class this year because uh, Roy Williams retired and they couldn't make the tournament. Well, they need to go back and learn how to play offense and shoot the ball. Um, but thank that can't you, be taught. I was in a great mood until you brought that up. So thanks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So on that note, we're going to have to say goodbye. I'm going to have to go throw myself into a fit of rage. Um, but hey, at least the, the good news is for my brackets, I won't have them going all the way like I do every other year. So that's great. I can maybe at least compete in some of these bracket challenges. And we'll see what happens. But yep. Do you have Penn State well, in the Sweet 16? We're going to find out. But for Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Pruger on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We couldn't thank you enough for watching or listening. We'll catch you again next week.